And welcome back to another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is a podcast where Dan Delzell and myself, Son Edom, we take a look at the issues, the stories, the news, the politics, the sports, the entertainment, whatever it is, the things that go on in this world, and we look at them through a biblical perspective. And, you know, there's a lot going on, Dan. Uh, last time we talked about how 60% of people that identify as Christians don't believe the Holy Spirit is real, and they believe it's just like a symbol of God's power. And then there's all kinds of things like that. You have a church in San Francisco that we discussed that you know is uh, ordaining a transgendered priest or a pastor. And we were talking about how some things, when people are in the church and they say they go to church and they say they're a Christian, they kind of label themselves as a Christian, but yet they believe anti-biblical things. And it got me thinking this past week, you know, I overheard a conversation uh, one time, and it was a conversation about a church. Now, the church was a, a, a larger-sized church, and I guess they'd kind of run out of room at their main campus. And so they went to a satellite campus. So now there's two campuses. And as the satellite campus grew, I guess they instilled or installed a, a pastor for the satellite campus to kind of oversee things and run things because, um, you know, I guess you need a pastor when you have two campuses. And then um, they would still kind of be under the, the teaching, I guess, of the main campus pastor. But, you know, there was uh, a second pastor. And then there started to be, a, a, I don't want to call it a divide, but maybe a separation because of personal preferences. What I mean by that is the main campus, the conversation had was going on that the main campus still had like a choir. And even though they would sing some uh contemporary songs every once in a while you get a little more traditional they did have a traditional service as well as a contemporary service but you know you still had your choir you still had more traditional type of a church service as people are accustomed to and then the satellite campus the second campus was moving more towards strictly traditional with the band there was no choir there was the band uh, the music they sang was a little bit different. You know, I'm not sure if the messaging was different or if it was, you know, along the same lines because that wasn't with the conversation. But it was the aesthetics and the business of church that was really starting to separate, which started to then cause different demographics to attend these different campuses. And yet it was still supposed to be under one church umbrella. And then this was the thing that was really interesting to me is, okay, they were supposed to come together now as one church body and have a combined service and i guess there was a lot of kind of so-called infighting or grumbling about how this service combined service was going to go was it going to be contemporary was it going to be traditional was it going to be the choir was it going to be the band and you know there were people the people that were talking about it were concerned and were interested to see how this was going to play out but there's a lot of concern on the part of the people that were talking about it and it was like three of them because they just did not know what was going to happen because there were some people like congregants that were really upset on both sides about whether or not the service was going to go according to their preferences. And so I just was wondering, you know, in this day and age, when you have satellite campuses, secondary campuses, third campuses. And I think even the conversation said that at one of the campuses, they have a, a satellite room where you go in, you just watch it on TV or on the big screen. You're not actually in the sanctuary. And then, you know, we all got into a habit of watching, you know, online churches during the pandemic. And a lot of people have not gone back to that. They're just, you know, sitting at home watching on their computer or whatever. And so it's like the church has really been thrown like into a popcorn machine and we're just popping church, you know, 
kernels and whatever pops is what we're doing these days and i think maybe that might be part of the problem why we're starting to get a lot of diluted messages out there and a lot of issues because there really is no gathering of the body no coming together no you know we're relying on messages from three four five different people and we're not really sitting there and doing our due diligence of reading the scriptures ourselves in our quiet time you know praying meditating you know, allowing the Holy Spirit to come talk to us, even if we have doubts and things like that. And so I thought maybe that might be something that we can kind of touch on here today as we start the conversation is the the church today and all its influx, is that really posing a, a problem for Christians today, especially new believers that might be coming into the uh, the family of God? Well, you know, Son, it, it definitely is uh, is something that um, goes on in a lot of churches. You know, you're you're talking about you know worship style. I, I think about what Jesus said. You know, the true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. And I and I think about how across the spectrum. I mean, whether it be within one denomination, you can have a wide range of of worship styles. Certainly. Um, you know, as, as you look at various Christian churches, I mean, there can be everything from very expressive, you know, hands raised, uh, you know, just very expressive, uh, in some cases, you know, charismatic worship, uh, but, but just very expressive to other church services where, um, you know, it, it's just much more traditional. Um, you, you really don't necessarily see people raising their hands, not to say that, you know, many of them aren't raising their hearts to the Lord, but the, the style is different. And so it's, it's kind of this, this age old, uh, you know, debate about, you know, substance versus style. And, you know, some churches um, have conflicts over, over the substance, you know, um, there are some churches that uh, become uh, divided uh, over, you know, different doctrinal things or different cultural issues that, um, that are going on, and, and sometimes maybe there's a there's a sermon about uh, something that is controversial, and then you know people um, find themselves coming down on one side or another. Of course, you know in these days of COVID, there there've been a lot of issues with churches. As you know, you've had people who have been trying to figure out, um, you know, what are we going to do with masking? What are we going to, you know, and, and so you've had all sorts of different opinions on these secondary issues. Um, not, not meaning that they're not important, but um, whether it be worship style uh, or uh, whether it be some other issues that sometimes cause division. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, our spiritual growth is going to be very much connected to the substance of the message. And like you mentioned, Son, I mean, you know, our own personal Bible reading, our own personal study, um, and then, you know, being part of a church where the Bible is being, you know, clearly taught and preached. But in that example you gave, I think it is a little bit ripe for conflict if if you have a church and you have these different, you know, campuses, these different groups that gather, they're all part of, you know, under the umbrella of one church. But then if you if you're ministering to people in those different settings or in different styles, you know, trying to bring them all together in one wouldn't be much different, I suppose then it's like some churches will have, uh, you know, like a Hispanic service uh, or they'll have a, um, a service, you know, maybe a Chinese service where they'll do it in, in, a, in a language other than English. So imagine trying to have people come together in one of these churches where you've got like an English speaking group and then you've got, you know, uh, you know, some other uh, group that's speaking a different language. It just wouldn't work. But, but, you know, music itself seems to have some different languages. 
And, and uh, you know, it, it's one thing if, if you have a group of people that are used to the same worship language, and by that I mean, you know, maybe traditional or, or more contemporary, but if you try to combine the two into one service, um, that, that would definitely, I think, pose a, pose a challenge, and uh, it, would, it would force people to have to, uh, I suppose, um, you know, try to blend something. But I can see where in that example you gave, um, you know, there could be people trying to figure out, you know, how is this going to work? Uh, because we do have such different styles. So I guess what I'm saying is I'm not really sure that when you have, ch- when you have a, a, a large church that has all these multiple styles, trying to bring everybody together, uh, I mean, maybe it can be done once in a while, um, but I, I could see where that could be some challenges, largely because people do tend to be pretty passionate about, you know, the, the, the style of, of music that, um, that allows and helps them to worship in spirit and in truth. And the last thing I'll say, Tom, that, that's what I find to be really interesting, is that um, I, I think there are just as many people that worship the Lord in spirit and, and in truth in, with both of those styles. It just depends which one maybe they're used to or they prefer, uh, but which one engages, helps to engage their mind and their heart, you know. So, you know, which which style and which songs contain that that truth that, that a person is expressing to God, whether it be in real simple lyrics or maybe in some lyrics that have a little more, you know, doctrinal content. But, um, you know, there, there has to be um, this this mental and spiritual and truthful aspect in our in our singing for it to really mean something. And uh, so I, th- yeah, I think that those sorts of differences will will always be a part of churches. And of course, the bigger a church gets, the more styles they offer, I think, the more likely if you try to combine those, um, you're going to you're going to run into some challenges that it sounded like those folks were maybe trying to wrestle with a bit. You know, you mentioned congregations that have other congregants that speak a different language, like Spanish, and so they have another service for them. I was a part of a church that had um, a, a large Armenian population, and so they would host a service in Armenian, and so that way the Armenian people in the community that would come would be able to have a service. And, you know, the it was fine. There weren't any issues as far as independent goes. But trying to merge the two, you know, culturally, there was a lot of differences. And so there just wasn't a merger between the two cultures, even though there was the main pastor. And then you had um, a guy that was actually going to a seminary um, and learning, you know, to become a pastor. Um, And so he would sit under the main pastor, but he would speak and, um, you know, do the service in. Armenian so that the congregants can understand. But even then, you know, the coming together of the body, you know, it just wasn't the same. It was actually two separate congregations kind of using one building, even though we were kind of under the same name. And so, uh, so the littlest of differences can really create a big divide between people if we allow it. You know, I think about this, uh, you know, everything in politics and the law and so forth is stemmed from the Constitution, right? What's constitutional, what's not. And we've seen how far field things have gotten, you know, so against, so anti-constitutional, and yet people abide by it and they put it into law and judges, you know, will make rulings on it, even though you can see that it violates the Constitution, whatever. We have the Bible. And it's kind of the same thing. You know, a lot of people look at things in the Bible and they will misinterpret it or they will treat it separately or they might hear someone. You know, one of the things that I never really got into was these devotionals put out by other people. Because it was like, if I was going to read 
or do something or follow devotion. I could just go straight to the source, go to the Bible and read it and meditate on it and get what I need out of it. I don't need someone else's devotion because to me, all they were doing is kind of creating content. And is that content really, you know, spirit filled because they need to sell some stuff, you know, because the commercialization of it. And I wonder if, you know, too often uh, in our, in the Christian church, do we follow people as opposed to doing our own due diligence, reading, meditating, praying, praying for revelation, for understanding, being still, listening for that still small voice. I mean, it seems like we need to really get back to basics now and start to first off do our own due diligence and take it upon ourselves to be responsible for our own Christian walk. Yeah, you know, Son, I think it it, it comes down to um, the fact that the Word of God is what grows up a Christian, um, you know, like it says in the Bible, uh, you know, like newborn babes crave pure spiritual milk so that by you grow up in your salvation now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. And what it makes me think of, it's like in my own life, uh, you know, when I went to college, um, I remember that there were many nights at like about nine o'clock, I would be in my dorm room and I would be listening to a particular a uh, speaker that I had discovered and, um, you know, I, I had started to get involved and been invited to some Bible studies and, and some prayer groups and things. And my faith was really taking off. Um, and, and I know that there was a, there was a, uh, a Bible teacher who I actually just this week, I, I, uh, I pulled it up and, and uh, my wife said, wasn't that, isn't that Chuck Swindoll? I said, yes, I was listening to, I mean, I haven't listened to him probably maybe much at all for years, but back in college, uh, you know, inside for living, uh, Chuck Swindoll, um, had, uh, this, this program, uh, with a lot of meat, uh, in the teaching. And, and, and so, you know, as much as I appreciated his presentation of it, what was really, um, satisfying was the content. Uh, and, and, and so, you know, over time, over a period of months or a year, whatever it was, as I, you know, started to listen to other things and then do a lot, and doing a lot of that study, as you mentioned, you know, just like on my own, um, I know that, through his faithful teaching of the word, um, you know, I, I grew a lot from that word and, and I never, I don't ever remember myself becoming, you know, so, you know, enamored with him. Well, you know, I have to hear it from Chuck's window, you know, but because I was listening to other people too, but I just remember that, that it was a very, um, it was presented very well, you know, from the scriptures and, and he had depth. He had, you know, just as the program was called, he had insights. Um, he had, uh, uh, just a lot of good biblical points, a lot of practical points. And, and so when I pulled that up here this week and I was listening here one, one night, I was listening a little bit. And like I said, my wife said, isn't that drugs window? And sure enough, um, you know, he, his style hasn't changed much. But I, I think what that what that showed me, Son, is that sometimes I think Christians um, to kind of get jump started a bit into uh, a, a deeper uh, study and so forth. It, it helps to have someone who who knows the word. Um, you know, it, it's kind of like you know. Um, you know, when we, when we have an issue going on physically, um, we don't necessarily have to go to the doctor. Um, we can, we can look up the research online, um, sometimes and, and find some home remedies or some other things. 
but 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 sometimes you know um if we go to the person who has spent years and years studying on that issue um it can be very helpful obviously you know that that's an understatement so i kind of equate that the same with um the need for a christian to have uh, a bible-based church where, where where somebody who's been you know studying theology for quite a while and is presenting it in just a clear manner that that, that can be a very helpful uh tool to, to help a person to kind of give them a jump start um because you know it's kind of like with medical stuff i mean how would i even know where to begin i mean i i can find some things online i can get some ideas but there may be um there may be a hundred things uh that I'm not even thinking of that uh, a doctor might have. And, you know, and I'm not one to want to rush off to the doctor by any stretch, but, um, you know, I know that we, we, we have a very good doctor and I, I know that there've been times where, you know, he's been able to point something out that I mean, obviously I would have had no idea, but I mean, that that's his field, that's his career. So I, I, I think it's, it, it's one of those deals where um, we, we don't want to become overly dependent on a, something like a Chuck Swindoll or maybe one of these other, uh, I mean, a lot of people have gotten a lot from say like Rick Warren, you know, um, a, a lot of people have, um, have gotten a lot over the years from say Charles Stanley, um, you know, David Jeremiah, there's some of these, you know, uh, people who are, who are well-known. Um, but, but for every one of those son, I suspect there are maybe a thousand, um, I hope there are anyway, you know, a thousand, uh, faithful, um, Christians who are preaching and teaching may, maybe, maybe in the setting of 50 people or a hundred people or whatever the context might be. Um, I'm amazed sometimes if I happen to stumble across a message, if I'm looking for something in particular, and then I, I, um, I, I'm looking at maybe one of these uh, sites that have a lot of sermons that have been collected from different people. And, and, you know, sometimes you'll stumble across like a message from somebody and, and it's somebody you would have never heard otherwise. And it's probably a pretty, pretty relatively average sized congregation, which means it's under a hundred in worship. Um, I mean, 80% of the churches in America, maybe now it's even higher than that. I mean, I think before COVID, it was 80% of the churches have a hundred or less. Um, so most of the, where there is faithful preaching and teaching, and, and it's certainly, you know, there, there are plenty of faithful, uh, ministers out there where that's going on. Uh, most of them will never be heard by other than, you know, relative handful of people. But but it, it's very important for Christians to um, to latch on to one of those uh, congregations, become part of that, to become active, because, you know, in the New Testament, it says, let us not give up meeting together as, as some are in the habit of doing. So um, I, I think sometimes the things that get the headlines, that is not even the tip of the iceberg in terms of what's going on. On, on the front lines, it's kind of like sometimes what we hear about, you know, in the news about maybe, uh, you know, something going on, you know, over in, in another country with a war situation or something else. And, and, and we hear about some, um, you know, we hear about some story that it, it sounds very extreme, but what we don't hear about are all the faithful, you know, men and women who are giving their lives there on the, on the battlefield. Um, you know, for, for, for those, kind of like all those who went over there to uh, Kabul there and were at the airport in Afghanistan and the terrible tragedy of the, the 13 who lost their lives and, and they were doing their duty. They were, they were ser- serving bravely. Um, but, but the people who were getting all the news 
were, were, were the politicians. And by that, I mean the military people who were politicians who were, you know, um, making, you know, the worst imaginable decisions you could make in that situation for whatever reason they were making them. And, and, and they're supposed to be military, but they're acting very politically. And yet, meanwhile, you had all these faithful men and women who were who were serving bravely. And I think sometimes that's kind of like, I think what goes on in the church is that, um, you know, there'll be a story here or there about uh, somebody like one of these generals who, who just, um, you know, got full of themselves or something happened. And, and then that, that's in the news. But, but what we don't hear about um, are those hundreds and thousands of situations where there are faithful Christians in these small churches who are just, you know, that they're trying to, uh, you know, just love their families, love one another. And, um, and it's amazing if we, if we were to be able to see that, I think we would see that, um, these these really uh, uh, these big stories that sometimes hit the news um, they really don't in any way represent so much of what's going on uh, among among Christians who are doing just like what you said son they're they're reading their Bible they're praying they're trying to grow in their faith I mean even like that survey that you know that we saw about you know a percentage of, of professing Christians who um, who don't uh, apparently uh, believe the Holy Spirit well when we saw how many millions of people they were talking about in the survey. Um, it almost sounded like they were, they were counting anybody who just would check the box of, of, of Christian rather than atheist. So, I mean, even things like that don't always give us a very uh, a good uh, picture, but I will say as far as surveys, it's not very encouraging. You know, when we hear the percentage of, of young people today um, who have a biblical worldview, um, it's a very small number, uh, sadly, and it just seems like there are so many young people who are growing up and not being taught the scriptures at home or in a church. And so our mission field is huge. And, and then just to bring it full circle, um, you know, for any Christians who might be concerned about whether this worship style is going to work or that worship style is going to work. I mean, I think if those Christians were to take a step back and just think for a minute, it's like, wait a minute. Why should I even care what style of worship? I mean, if we're going to get together as a body of Christ, we have all these people in our community who don't know the Lord. And, and so who cares if I, you know, have a, have worship gathering with, with other Christians and it's not my favorite music. Uh, I think that's part of the problem, son, that we all bring into it. Um, if we approach it from the attitude, what's my favorite and get this a lot of times in, in, in churches because we are human. Um, you know, if, if Christians are looking at what's, what's just my favorite, what's just going to bless me, um, rather than what would be the biggest blessing for the whole, and then that's the challenge sometime, sometimes, but, you know, it does say in uh, Romans fourteen nineteen, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and the mutual edification. So, um, you know, all these things are, are challenges that Christians have, but there's a, a big world of people out there who don't know the Lord. And, and somehow, you know, we're, we're, we all are, you know, we're trying to reach them. And, and that's going to continue to be, I think, a bigger and bigger challenge here in America. You know, you talk about reaching others, including those within the church, you know, a lot of people in the church. And we've talked about it, and we've even mentioned it, you know, maybe aren't following biblical principles. A lot of churches are following anti or engaging in anti-biblical things in their church. So, you know, reaching out to people that might not know, the unchurched, so to speak, but also maybe those lost in the church. Do you think that the the traditional church as we know it today needs to 
kind of change the focus because it's almost like the focus is on the business of the church. The focus is on, you know, what the service is like. The focus is, okay, here's an example. So I was at a church service one time and uh, a, a van full of special needs people showed up. They'd never been to this church service before. And they sat in the back, and I think one of them had Tourette's because he kept speaking up and, you know, shouting or saying something. Now, I guess, you know, if they would have gone to a Southern Baptist church, it probably would have fit in. But at this church, it didn't work out with the shouting and the, you know, the kind of Tourette's syndrome. So the pastor literally said, get these people out of here or get those people out of here. And so at that moment, I got up and left too um, because I thought that was not the thing, not the way to handle it. And I understand there's a difference between having, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, having a – uh, disruption versus, you know, mm-hmm. wanting the church to go a certain way. But, you know, I thought that, you know, the pastors making a, a proclamation from the pulpit wasn't the best way to go around doing it. Anyways, so again, it just kind of showed that the service was more important than the people, than the shepherd, you know, the shepherding of the mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. So do you think the church right, has gotten right. fo- gotten off focus and, and, and putting more emphasis on the actual business of church rather than the actual business of the church, which is what I mean, going out the great commission. I think I even saw an article somewhere along the way the last couple of days about, you know, mm-hmm. how the great commission is basically dying. No one's going out and, you know, preaching and that's even in our community, you know, depending on where you're at, you know, mm-hmm. the time in Los Angeles, it was like people want to go be, you know, um, missionaries. I'm thinking to myself, no need to go someplace to be a missionary. The world is coming to us. Mm-hmm. You know, we can be in our hometown right and be missionaries because there's all kinds of people coming to us. But, um, but do you think we need to start getting back to that kind of evangel that like preaching the word and witnessing and, and going out there and trying to talk to people and get them to understand what true Christianity and what a Christ follower is truly about? You know, son, I think it's always, you know, part of a Christian's mission to, to do, to do exactly that. You know, the, the Bible says if anyone speaks, let him um, do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, you know, let him do it with, uh, you know, the, uh, the the grace that God, you know, provides. And 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 so, in other words, some we we all have different gifts. You know, Paul talks about this in Corinthians. And, and so, there are going to be some Christians who are going to feel um, stronger at at um, you know speaking to groups of people, for example, uh, about the gospel. Um, I, I think it's um, it can be very scary for a person to start you know sharing their faith if they haven't done that before. I remember when I was in college again, going back to those days. You know, I had never done anything like that, son. And I remember I had a friend of mine who, by the way, this was the same friend who had introduced me. He and his roommate, uh, Mark and Matt, they'd introduced me to um, uh, contemporary Christian music. And so I was listening to uh, Keith Green and Striper, and and it was just all I mean between that and the Bible studies and the prayer times. I mean, I mean my my spiritual life was just taking off, and 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 it wasn't because somebody was telling me I need to be going out and doing that. It was you know somebody was inviting me uh, to, to to be a part of that. You know, so like you know, it, and, and I remember that they invited me to go. Matt invited me to go. Um, to a secular concert where they're going to be handing out some gospel tracts. And I mean, I'd never done anything like that, but Hey, you know, I was, I was up for it, uh, you know, and uh, we went and it was a real, you know, faith builder. And that led to, 
you know, literally thousands of, you know, situations since then, as far as, you know, sharing the gospel in, in different ways with individuals and with groups. Uh, but it had to, it has to begin somewhere. And, and so I think what, what churches can, can provide for people uh, is not only then, of course, the spiritual food to motivate people to want to do exactly what you're saying, Son, but also, you know, to have opportunities. But, you know, um, a high percentage of people who go to church um, have been invited by a family member or friend. You know, I think in America, Son, if, I mean, just think, if every Christian would would be inviting a family member or friend um, to church, and even if just a handful of them, um, you know, every few months or whatever, you know, were to attend. I think, as you say, we have the opportunity right before us. Um, and, and there are going to be some Christians who are going to be more comfortable right away in sharing the gospel um, than others, but it is certainly uh, a goal that we would equip um, all Christians to be able to do exactly what you're saying. Now, um, you know, I think the gift of evangelism, uh, you know, what, what they have found uh, over the years is that something like maybe 10% of Christians have the gift of evangelism. I'm not talking about the calling to share your faith in the gospel. What I'm talking about, um, the, the gift of evangelism has to do with that, that, that gift to be able to share the gospel with a stranger and, and really feel equipped and empowered to do that. So maybe 10% of Christians have that, um, which means that maybe 90% of Christians aren't going to feel comfortable doing the type of ministry that, say, like a, a Kirk Cameron and Ray Comfort do with that excellent evangelism ministry they do, where they go out onto the you know streets and they ask the questions, the excellent evangelistic questions, or the D. James Kennedy program, um, you know, uh, who, you know, he was down in Florida and the evangelism explosion, it was called. Um, and, and so I think there might be, you know, maybe one out of 10, maybe uh, Christians who are going to really feel led to do that kind of evangelism. So what does that, where does that leave us then? Well, that leaves us with friendship evangelism and family evangelism, which is the more natural and, and really the, the, the more basic way 90% of Christians will probably um, ever have an experience like that. And it might begin by them maybe sharing one of these little Our Daily Bread uh, devotionals with a friend, or maybe a Christian book, or maybe a Bible, or maybe an invitation to church. But, um, you know, the Bible says, fan into flame the gift that is in you. And, and, and I think what, what, what we find is that most Christians um, are not maybe always going to be motivated to do that if they're just told, especially over and over again, you need to be doing this. Uh, not to say that, you know, some of that it, it won't, won't, uh, won't help, but I, I think there needs to be a, a deeper motivation. And I think that comes from the word that can come from also specific teaching and equipping. Um, you know, you, you can have different programs that equip people to, uh, you know, to, to share their faith. But, but at the end of the day, I think what I have found, you know, as a pastor now for like, what, 31 years, the, 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 the Christians who are, um, the most joyful are those who are using their gifts and, and ministering to others. And, and they're not doing it because they, they're being told they have to do it. They're doing it because they're being fed. Maybe somebody's inviting them to, to this or that or to participate or they see an opportunity and, 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 and they jump in. And, um, and so from that standpoint, um, you know, there, there are always a lot of good things happening behind the scenes. Um, you know, that, that, that many, many Christians are involved with. Uh, I mean, just for example, I was just, I was just noticing that uh, Franklin Graham is going to be having a little, I think it's an eight city little evangelistic tour. Uh, I think it's called maybe the route 66 tour. 
And I think it starts in Springfield, Missouri. In fact, I think tonight, because I noticed that the newsboys were going to sing a few songs there. And, uh, and, and so there'll be people attending that from the, you know, Springfield area. And I'm, I'm sure communities around there, they'll be bringing friends, you know, that sort of thing is very exciting. Um, you know, Franklin Graham has been such a, oh my goodness, what a, what a beautiful, um, witness for the gospel. And then, you know, he, they've got, you know, Samaritan's Purse, uh, where they do all of the, the, the help for, for, for people, the social needs around the world. Um, I mean, like his dad who preached the gospel all around the world. I mean, Franklin Graham, you know, sets, I think, the example that Christians can really uh, seek to model in terms of um, keeping the gospel central. And anytime I ever hear him on television with an interview, he always presents the gospel. I mean, just even very quickly, but you know, he'll, he'll, he'll say that, you know, that, that God loves you and Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And if you'll accept him as your savior, you'll be saved. And, and, and so it's those examples, I think, son, that, that as we lift those up to people, um, they're going to be encouraged by that. I mean, the world has enough negativity. The world likes to, you know, the world likes to have stories about, you know, all of the things that fail. But but how how many times do we hear, you know, the awesome? It's like on the news tonight, all over America, they'd be reporting. And while Franklin Graham is in Springfield, Missouri, and you know, the world has so many problems, but here's hope, you know, and 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 so on and so forth. So I think that continues to be the challenge for the church uh, to do hope filled uh, ministry. And, and, um, and boy, when you can have a, uh, yeah, an event like that where people can invite their friends. Wow. Um, and boy, the last thing I'll say, we took our kids to newsboys concerts when they were young. It was, I mean, we went to quite a few newsboys concerts. In fact, we took them to one there in Missouri. I think it was Smith, Smithfield, Missouri. But, um, and, you know, that's really what got our kids excited about Christian music was, was listening to the newsboys, you know, and our, our kids are now all in their twenties, like uh, from about uh, almost 29 down to, you know, 23. So 20 years ago, um, we were taking them to newsboys concerts and, 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 uh, and so, you know, we don't have to say, Oh, Hey, why don't you put the Christian radio on, on in your car? I mean, they just listen to it. You know, uh, it's kind of like, we don't have to say, well, why don't you come to church today? They just always have, and they enjoy it, you know? So, a lot of these things that, that Christians um, maybe can learn if they haven't been taught at home, and many haven't. I mean, let's face it. I mean, many don't grow up in a Christian home, or if they do, they're just not taught that. Um, they're going to have to learn it somewhere else. And, and all of these kids today who are maybe not even close to the Lord, well, um, apparently their parents haven't known, you know, maybe the message or know what to say to them. So we're going to have to try to reach them somehow. And uh, I'm just, you know, we can be praying tonight that, you know, at, at that event there in Missouri, that people will come to know the Lord. And, and uh, so it's always exciting. Uh, you know, if we look for it, there are always opportunities like that that God's doing. And, and then it's just a matter of us Christians getting behind that with our prayers our support and and uh and then we, and we just watch what god will do you know dan you mentioned music so i grew up on christian music as well steve taylor was a uh the, one of the first christian artists that i kind of discovered and then he went on to actually write a lot of music for the newsboys and so that got me into the newsboys and then he wrote a lot of yes. other songs for a lot of other artists as well because when his singing days kind of came to an end he became a songwriter and then he has come out within the last 10 years with new music, uh, with a new band, and Peter Furler is his drummer. And so he's always kind of been in and out of the music scene as far as a performer, but he's always been behind the scenes mm-hmm. as a writer. 
Right. And um, and like I said, the Newsboys was one of them. Another group was always Petra, mm-hmm. and then there was um, Altar yeah. Boys was another group that I would listen to. And so you had, for me anyways, my experience was you had some people that through the, the test of time remained faithful to, to God. Their witness and their testimony yeah. remained faithful. They didn't really have any issues. You know, I mean, sure, bands might break up for reasons, but, you know, they, their, their message is still on point. They're not really you know, out there causing all kinds of controversy and scandal. But then you have other people, you know, other musicians, and the and the one comes to mind, not to pick on her, but just she comes to mind because she was kind of mm-hmm. one of the first ones, was Amy Grant. You know, Amy Grant was a Christian oh, yeah. singer growing up, but then all of a sudden she kind of turned and went secular, and it was almost like mm-hmm. selling out, you know. A lot of Christians were like, oh, you're selling out. And then Striper, you know, Striper started a controversy, well, I don't say controversy, maybe a debate, maybe a conversation. Because there was this label of Christian bands versus bands who are bands that happen to have Christian performers. And then that became kind of the the thing. And so I love Striper. Striper was another group that I listened to. In fact, I still do listen to Striper. In fact, I listen to all these people yeah. still because I'm kind of old school that way. And um, just like, you know, you have pastors like, you know, Billy Graham or the ones that you mentioned or Jay Vernon McGee. Right. You, know, you have these classic people yeah. that kind of stand yeah. the test of time. They stand the yeah. test of time when it comes to what right. they believe, what they're preaching or what they're singing about, uh, their lifestyles. Um, you know, there's no scandal. There's no controversy. You know, there's nothing there. There's just kind of solid. You know, they're not perfect. And, you know, so you'll find little things here and there. Don't get me wrong. But it's like there's nothing like like an Amy Grant who was a Christian Christian. And all of a sudden she blows off, you know contemporary christian music and wants to be out in the free world you know divorces her husband runs off with another dude you know and all this stuff and again not judging her but it's like it's almost like that was that's kind of what we've become to you know it's like we follow people and then we find out that you know they're something's wrong because they're human and then but we let them influence us and yet it's like we don't get it doesn't seem like we have a lot of those people anymore like said you know maybe franklin graham might be one that's still you know, from his father's mold and, you know, there's others, but it's almost like mm-hmm. every day people are compromising, especially people we look up to are compromising their faith for, you know, fame and fortune. It's like they're, they want to be of this world, but yet using Christianity as a guise to be in this world and to draw from that. But also it's like they have, you know, a foot in each world, you know, they're going to have a foot in the Christian world. They want to draw and attract those people, whether it be sermons, whether it be preaching, whether it be Bible studies, whether it be uh, music, whether it be movies. And then you have the other side, you know, that is uh, that they're trying to pull from the secular world. And it's almost like they get caught up in these two worlds. And like you said, you can't serve two masters. So once you start serving, you know, the worldly master, it's, it's really uh, not going good for you. Well, and I tell you, we, we saw that, didn't we, Son, with, with you know, um, some biblical figures, including, you know, King David, you know, a man after God's own heart. And, and when you think about how many people looked up to him, um, you know, one of the amazing things, though, was that God's grace was able to meet him um, there uh, where where there was failure, where there was sin. Um, and, 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 and he was able to be restored. You know, I, I think like the examples there that you mentioned, it, it's a good reason for, I think, Christians to really be 
um, as connected locally as possible. I mean, it's great to have, you know, I mentioned like, you know, uh, teachers over the years that I enjoyed. I'm glad you mentioned Jane Vernon McGee. I mean, what a great Bible teacher. And, and, uh, you know, I mentioned Chuck Swindoll, uh, and, and, and it's great to have, you know, groups or you know, singers, whether it be Amy Grant or newsboys, these people that you listen to. But at the end of the day, um, you know, our faith is in Jesus. Um, and regardless of, of, of how much press the world decides to give to uh, maybe somebody's sin, and it's interesting that when they're doing that, you know, they're not reporting on, on the sin of the station manager or the editor of the newspaper, you know. But anyway, be that as it may, uh, I guess that's just what people, you know, want to hear. But what's interesting is that um, even as that's going on, you've got all these people uh, in, in many, many local settings who are just plugging away, sharing the word, you know, teaching teaching the word and, and, you know, those, those, those uh, organizations that have to make money on, on, you know, talking about all those stories ad nauseum. I mean, think about how many stories there were about, um, you know, like Jimmy Swaggart and, and, and those sorts of situations. And it's like, you know, there were a lot of people who were blessed by Jimmy Swaggart and, you know, like King David, I mean, he had his, his failings there. And, and, but, but, you know, for a Christian, I mean, it's like, okay, you know, I heard that, you know, it's like, you know, I heard that 30 seconds ago. Now it's time to move on. It's like um, the only way we're going to grow is is if we stay connected locally and and most of all in our own home, you know, as you mentioned, Son, about being in the word, being in prayer. Um, and I think one of the signs sometimes that we're growing in our faith is that we're, we, we find ourselves becoming less dependent upon any individuals. Um, you know, maybe, maybe even the people that we've we listened to on the radio or we've gone to their concert, but um, if something happens and they're no longer, you know, in that same place that they were, um, you know, I think the Lord wants us to be strong enough to be able to, to, to just keep pressing on ahead and, and maybe they'll, you know, maybe they'll uh, find their way back to, to ministry by God's grace or not. But, um, you know, it's just, it's just really amazing to me how many people there are on the local level, um, who are pressing on, um, no matter what else is going on. And because, you know, we, there, there are going to be examples of, of people who fall and then people who don't, I mean, whether it be like a Franklin, a Billy Graham, you know, Chuck Swindoll, I mean, all sorts of people, um, who, who never had their biggest sins reported in the news, um, you know, and, and, and assuming that there, there weren't maybe, you know, sins like some of these others from some of these folks that get reported. But, but at the end of the day, um, you know, it's like getting back into the word, um, just doing, using our gifts. Uh, and, and I think that's what encourages Christians then the most, um, you know, to be able to just keep going, keep growing. And, um, but it's exciting to hear son, how some of those groups, you know, you were blessed by like Striper and others and Amy Grant and others as, as I was. Yeah. And Amy Grant was one, you know, I, I remember I was, I was certainly blessed by back in college, um, but we also know that, that, you know, when people are being used at, at that level, um, boy, I mean, Satan is really out to try to, uh, destroy their ministry. And, and, and if a person isn't careful, um, then, you know, they can, they can, um, end up making some decisions that are just, um, you know, very, very bad for, for themselves, for their ministry, for, for, for the Lord's work. Um, and so we just have to keep going and, uh, and keep trying to focus, I think, on on everything that God's given us in His Word to to share with with, with others who are. Um, I mean, you know, some of them, son. They're. I think about all these kids today who were at the point that you know you and I were back in the day when we both would have been, you know, in college. And now, you know, they need to have their own 
experiences like like what what some of us were able to have uh, in those days. And and so, um, you know, the, the the more time that we're spending praying for for them and for that generation, um, there won't really be much time to really you know, focus a whole lot on um, some of these sensationalistic stories to get out there about, you know, one person here, one person there. Um, when, when meantime, you know, we got, we got literally millions of kids right now who uh, many of whom are lost right now. Uh, spiritually, they're lost. Um, they, they don't have a, a healthy worldview and nor are they going to be drawn close to Christ by, by listening to some of the media reports about this one here and that one there. Well, what they need is the word. And I mean, they're going to hear that fine, but, but what they need to know is that if you want to know true Christianity, uh, it's not just going to be about the story of King David falling into sin and then repenting and then being forgiven. You know, it, it, it's much broader than that. It's much bigger than that. And, and it's kind of like, so, I mean, what, what, what are the, what are the programs that everybody, everybody wants to see the program where there's, you know, adultery or a plot or a murder or, you know, something. So human nature is drawn to that, but you know, God does not put those examples in the Bible um, for just some sensationalistic purpose. You know, God, God doesn't need to have like the, the, uh, the, like the, what the national Enquirer would do. Um, the only reason God, I believe would put those examples in the Bible is to show the, the, just the truth about what went on. In fact, some people have even said that's just good evidence that the Bible did come from God because if man wrote it, there's no way that man who's trying to promote this, you know, this faith, they, they wouldn't have put in some of those bad stories uh, about failings of, of different ones. They would have just put in all the good stories. But the fact that God had it written, it's inspired of God. You're, you're going to see some of those stories and um, and and then, you know, I think there can be some people out there who maybe have their own failings, as we all do. Um, you know, we're all far from perfect, um, but there are going to be some people who are going to read that and be like, wow, you know, if if uh, if somebody like, you know, King David or Peter or one of these other men or women in the Bible, you know, if they can be used of God, even though they really messed up. Hey, maybe, maybe there's hope for me, you know. So uh, I think we have a very hopeful, a very hopeful faith to share. Um, you know, with people today uh, from the Bible, and and uh, it's just I know it's exciting, you know, for you and I, and hopefully many, you know, many people even listening to this you know, as well to be able to share these truths with with those we know and with others. You know, Dan, you mentioned some of the experiences we had growing up. You know, we would go to uh, Wednesday night Bible study or midweek Bible study, I guess you could say, at, you know, various ages. Some would have a Awana group. Some would have other types of group for the younger elementary age. And then you had your, your, your middle school or your junior high groups, your high school groups. You had your groups on Sunday morning before church, you know, kind of like the Sunday school. Then you had your different outings. Mm-hmm. You know, you had your mission trips. You know, you had your, I remember in college, we would go down to the mission um, in Skid Row once a, once a month, I think it was, and we would help, you know, help serve or lead a, lead a message and you know, lead a, a service, I guess. And so we were always involved. And yet, being in the West Coast, and then, and then of course, the other thing, too, you'd have, like, um, you know, all the concerts would come. You'd have these Christian artists come to, like, the, the, the Disneyland. I remember Petra one time was at Disneyland. And uh, you had like the Newsboys and Steve Taylor at you know Magic Mountain and Knott's Berry Farm, and so a lot of these entities then started to do away with the Christian night. You know, no more Christian night at uh, at right. Magic Mountain, or no right. more Christian night at Disneyland. No more Christian night. So these yeah. artists, you know, they would stop coming to the West Coast. I remember, you know, Skillet is another band that I really like and enjoy, and um, mm-hmm. I went and saw them. 
a couple of, I guess it's been a few years ago now, and they mentioned how they never really got out to the West Coast and that they need to come out a little bit more because there was a big crowd, you know, a big crowd showed up. It was like packed, a lot of Skillet fans out on the West Coast. And, but that, 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 that thought of, yeah, we need to get out here more to the West Coast because we got fans out here. It's almost like, you know, the the entity let's you know okay i'll just say california los angeles los angeles county you know it's almost like they turn their back on the christian uh you know on christianity because they wouldn't allow these groups to come out and so it was harder for them to find venues to fill up it was harder for them to to go to places because people wouldn't allow them to come you know i think dodger stadium or whatever even did away with you know their faith-based nights and stuff and so it became harder. So now maybe other places like the Midwest, maybe it's a different experience. I don't know. I haven't experienced it like that. But is it is it becoming harder for youth to be able to have these experiences and to be able to do these things in this day and age because more and more of society is becoming anti-Christian and doing away with some of these things? You know, it sure seems, Son, like you say, like those – those things are not nearly as, as frequent as they had been in the past. And, and I, I'm just afraid that, um, you know, things, things aren't moving, um, in, in the direction of more of those things happening. You know, I mentioned the example with the Franklin Graham uh, crusade. So, I mean, you, you still got some things like that. Uh, um, you, 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 you've still got, uh, some, uh, you know, some wonderful, uh, uh, you know, some wonderful music groups. In fact, um, you know, uh, this weekend, interestingly, and they haven't done anything like this in a while, but like, uh, one of our sons and then our daughter who's married and her husband, the three of them, um, they're going to, they're going to drive on, uh, on Saturday, they're going to drive nine hours to Indianapolis because on Sunday, uh, they, they're going to go to the need to breathe concert. And it's just such a blessing for them to hear need to breathe. Uh, you know, and I suppose, I mean, there was that might be about the closest to, to, to our place here that they're going to get, but I know they're really looking forward to that. Um, and and so, you know, those who who've experienced it, like I said, our kids have from from a really young age, and 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 now you know in recent years, I mean, need, need to breathe. You know, in fact, I think Switchfoot's going to be with them too, and they really, of course, enjoyed uh, Switchfoot over the years. But um, you know, when you're when you're motivated to drive, you know, uh, round trip nine hours each way for a for for a Christian musical group, um, you know that it's been a blessing in your life, and and but you also know that wow, well maybe that's about as, as close as to, you know to our area here in the Midwest they're gonna they're gonna be. But so I don't really know exactly, um, you know, to answer your question, you know, if if we're gonna continue to see a lessening of of that, um, you know, but but you mentioned even things like you know Christian camps and other there are lots of different experiences. It doesn't have to just be a Christian concert, obviously. It could be you know. Uh, there are many other experiences that people can have, um, you know, uh, hearing hearing the gospel, and um, and really, I mean, it's going to be the Christians out there, you know, who are going to be the ones um, putting on these events, um, doing this ministry, um, and and just really trying to bring Christians together to to worship the Lord and, and celebrate His love. So, um, you know, it, it goes back to I think just what we what we spend our time thinking about, uh, how we spend uh, our time. 
time, um, especially in this computer age where it's so easy to just be immersed in the computer. But um, are we spending or, or, you know, watching television? But I mean, are we feeding our souls uh, through God's word and through prayer? Um, it's the only way to, to really be strong in the Lord and his mighty power as we as we continue to trust in Christ alone for salvation, not our works, just his death for our, our, our sins on the cross. And and one thing I know, uh, you know, for um, you know, for those uh, in in my family there who are going to be at that concert, I know they're going to be built up in their faith, strengthened in the gospel, uh, worshiping the Lord. Um, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, I know we, we would, we would, uh, many years, you know, take the kids and, and others, you know, uh, in the church to life light there in, in Sioux Falls, there were different Christian festivals, um, that they have with Christian music festivals. And then, you know, you'd have uh, different speakers there as well. Uh, I, I remember growing up, you know, um, we would go to the, uh, Okoboji Bible conference, uh, in Iowa, uh, with my family and we would, we would go there. Uh, we, there was a, uh, a week that we would stay there at this at the at the camp there, um, and then and then this Bible conference was over at another part of uh, of Lake Okoboji there, and um, uh, which also reminds me. So I don't remember if we talked about this in the podcast, but there was a real sad event here uh, a couple months ago or so, six weeks, eight weeks ago. But on East Lake Okoboji, I think it was there was a forty-year-old uh, man, I believe. In fact, he's even from here in Omaha. Um, uh, a banker, I believe, and three kids. And anyway, his uh, his son fell off a paddleboard, and and then he became entangled in some weeds, which I don't quite, you know, I can't quite picture where in the lake that would have been or whatever. Not that I'd really been there, but you just try to picture how do you get entangled in the weeds there. But he did, and uh, his his dad, I guess, rushed into the water to try to save him. He was able to rescue his son, but sadly, tragically, he lost his life. Uh, Brandon, I think, um, he lost his life there saving his son, um, there at, uh, at Lake Okoboji. So, you know, life and death is always uh, going on around us. And, um, you know, that, that's really a picture of what, what Jesus did when he came. He gave his life for us on the cross. And that father went in as, as, as most fathers would do, you know, uh, to save his son. And, uh, what a, what a tragedy now as that family moves on without a, without a father, without a husband. Um, but uh, it just it just highlights the the need for people to know Christ because you know we never know when you know when our time will come. Well, that's the thing through all this all this uh, conversation that we're having. The one constant is you know Jesus on the cross dying for our sins, you know coming from the tomb, conquering death. They're waiting for us, what, uh, arms wide open, waiting to embrace us willing to forgive us our sins, and all we have to do is, you know, repent of what we're doing. And that's the, the one constant through the ages is that, you know, Jesus' love for us, you know, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Then God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Yeah. You know, and that's the most important thing that we have to remember through all this is that, you know, we individually right. need to be out there and making sure that our light, that we're that, uh, you know, that this little light of mine, you know, I got to let it shine. And so that the rest of the world can see us and we can be the witness for Jesus and somehow be an impact on someone else's life and be that witness. Because whether it's a concert, whether it's, you know, a, a camp or whether it's just us individually in our work, 
in our school, in our uh, you know youth leagues, whatever it might be, you know we can be that example. We can be that witness. We can be that testimony. It's like the people of India. You know uh, the Lutherans. I think it was moved in uh, into India, and they weren't prophesy. Uh, you know they weren't like preaching or anything. You know they weren't proselytizing. They were just helping. They were helping the people. You know with medicine and and whatever else they needed. And finally these these people in India, they're like, you know, this is, you know, many, 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 many years ago. Like, what's so different about these people? Well, we need to go find out. Then the gospel came. Yeah. And then you had a transformation of society, you know, and then you had started to have a right. lot of believers right. coming across and it was just their light, you know, their example, their witness. They oozed Jesus just from a one-on-one personal standpoint without even having to preach. And then God allowed yeah. that opportunity for them then to come and seek and then the Lutherans or the yeah. missionaries, you know, I guess they are, were able to, um, yeah. you know, let them know what was going on and, and give their testimony and spread the gospel. So, God, the only thing that we need to do is to be open and we need to be able to be uh, say, yes, God, use me in whatever fashion you see. But then also remember that everything is to point to the cross. And as long as we're pointing things to the cross and, and Jesus' salvation, then we can't go wrong. Yeah, that, that's exactly right, Son, and, and that Jesus is the lifeline that everyone needs. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, too, because it kind of brings it full circle to where we, we, we started here, um, you know, today. So it's kind of neat to kind of, you know, wrap up on this same note. You know, you mentioned that those folks who were kind of maybe debating about which worship style um, you know, they were going to get to have for their united service in their large church and so forth. But, but you know, as, as we think about, like, you know, like what, what's going to happen there in Springfield, Missouri tonight at the Franklin Graham event as the newsboys sing or, or where, you know, my kids are going to be there in Indianapolis with the, the need to breathe concert. I mean, you know, it, it, it's about, it's about what's going to minister to people and reach them for Christ. And, and, you know, I think about all the newsboys concerts, you know, like we would go to and they make the gospel so clear and invite people to accept Christ. But I mean, you know, I, I think if, if, if we in a church, let's say, um, if there's a situation where people are getting so turned inward that they're worried about is their style of worship or whatever their favorite going to be the one that we have for this one event or whatever we're having. I, I think we're getting too turned way too much inward. You know, if we're going to have a, a united uh, thing that it needs to be about what's best for everyone, not just for me, uh, what's best for everyone. If that's going to be a worship service of believers, then, you know, what's going to bless everyone the most. Um, and, and there certainly don't need to be um, any, you know, hopefully debates over that, uh, but just some clear, leadership on that but but underneath that a heart for evangelism a heart for discipleship um you know a heart for unity um let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and the mutual edification so um i think anytime we're just getting caught up in the weeds you know here again there you go with the weeds but uh, caught up in the weeds of, of of issues that really aren't you know the major thing then um i think maybe we need to check our heart a little bit and say well why why are we even doing this you know what, what what's what's the point of this and um you know, I think there would be a lot of people, even in America, who, you know, even some surveys have shown this, that, you know, they, if you say, well, what's the purpose of, of your, of your church? You know, many, many sadly have answered, well, it's, it, it's to, you know, offer ministry to me and my family. Well, I mean, that's certainly part of it. 
but but it, it's not just focused on 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 those of us who are saved. I mean, there has to be, um, like you mentioned, that evangelistic um, uh, focus and emphasis and zeal. And and so I think you know there are plenty of healthy churches that have both of those going on. You know, faithful preaching and teaching of the word, um, very strong outreach ministries, and and people inviting others to church, and and just a lot. Of, you know, so so there are many examples out there where that's that's alive and well. And and maybe where, where wherever we find a situation where there's not enough life there, um, there's not enough unity, there's not enough love, um, not enough gospel, not enough word. Then then those are areas that obviously need need work and need improvement. But uh, but no, I just appreciate all you do, Son. It's just a uh, a joy to be able to do these uh, podcasts with you. And hey, it'll be exciting to see what the Lord uh, continues to do in all of our lives. Uh, I mean, I'll be, I'll be excited to hear what the kids come back with from Indianapolis. Um, you know, just some of the stories I'm sure they'll have of, of how God moved there. It'll be uh, exciting to read about what, what happens tonight in Springfield, Missouri with the Franklin Graham event um, and just what God's going to continue to do right here locally and in, and in the local situations of any folks listening here. I mean, God is doing stuff everywhere. So uh, we just want to pray that we can be a part of what he's doing and, 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 and be a helpful part in any way we can. So again, thank you, Son, for all you're doing and for this, uh, this wonderful uh, visit yet again to Today and uh, it's really uh, awesome to talk about all of these exciting things that, that the Lord is up to. Dan Delzell, author at thechristianpost.com. Many articles there. You can just go to christianpost.com and search in the search bar his name, Dan Delzell, D-E-L-Z-E-L-L, and many articles will pop up. Dan, thanks so much. We appreciate it, and we look forward to next time. Oh, I sure do, too. Thank you so much, Son. We'll, we'll talk here soon. And for those of you listening, I'm Son Edom. Hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.